0: God bless you and welcome to The Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, he is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people, and he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you. That you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your heavenly Father. That you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. On this Pentecost Sunday, we have a very exciting program. We will hear some wonderful music, Read some of the Bible together regarding the topic of Pentecost and its significance to us today. And in our interview segment, the topic of discussion will be the Holy Spirit field with teacher and lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois, Bob Carden. Let's start off with this song by building 429, We Won't Be Shaken. Today, the Christian Church celebrates Pentecost. The day of Pentecost took place almost 2,000 years ago, 50 days after the resurrection from the dead of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The day of Pentecost ushered in for both God and mankind a new type of relationship. A relationship of sonship was now available. God the Father could now place His Spirit in those that would believe on His solution for the redemption of mankind, the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout much of history, men and women have not known the significance of what became available on the day of Pentecost. Even still today, many have never seen or been taught from the Scriptures what they have in Christ in the new birth. The new birth, to be born of God's Spirit, to be born from above, became available on the day of Pentecost. In many, many previous shows, we have looked in great detail at the greatness of the accomplished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, His complete sacrifice, all that He came to do for mankind. All of it finds its fulfillment in the day of Pentecost. For it's on the day of Pentecost that God's Spirit became freely available for all who believe. Once again, just as in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, mankind could openly communicate without hindrance of sin consciousness or condemnation with their Heavenly Father and have full fellowship with Him. Let's begin by looking at the record of the Day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We'll start here in verse 1. And when the Day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, verse 3, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In verse 1 it states, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, ever since the fall of man, the day of Pentecost was in the process of fully coming. It was God's plan of redemption for mankind, and it was totally, completely fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. What a remarkably awesome day that was, not only for God, but for each of us. The they here, let's look back at verse 1, the they here in verse 1 refers to the original 11 apostles and also Matthias who replaced Judas as an apostle. They were all together in unity in one place. The place they were was the temple. Verse 9 in this chapter states that it was the third hour of the day which corresponds with 9 a.m., It was an hour of prayer. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost took place in the temple in the morning. There were devout men out of every nation under heaven present at that time in the temple at 9 a.m. as it states in verses 5-13 through of this same chapter. The apostles, they were there praying, expecting. They were expecting what Jesus spoke of as the Comforter in the Gospel of John and what Jesus spoke of in Acts chapter 1 as the promise of the Father. Let's look at John chapter 16 where uh, Jesus Christ talks about the Comforter. We'll read here verses 7 and 13. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away... The Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 13, When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. The Comforter here is the gift of Holy Spirit, made available and received on the day of Pentecost. The Comforter is the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth is what the Apostles received on the day of Pentecost and it has guided us or led us into all truth. The all truth being the church epistles addressed to the church today and those are Romans through Thessalonians as well as the additional pastoral and individual epistles of the New Testament and the book of Revelation. The Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, is what the apostles received on the day of Pentecost. And it's also what the about 3,000 others that believed on the day of Pentecost received. And it's what you and I receive today when we confess Jesus as our Lord, believing that God raised him from the dead, and then we are born again, of God's Spirit. Let's go back to Acts and uh, let's take a look at Acts chapter 1. We'll read here verses 4, 5, and 8. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, assembled together with his apostles, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Verse 8, You shall receive power, after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Before Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, he instructed the apostles not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was the gift of Holy Spirit that they received on the day of Pentecost. The gift of Holy Spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit of verse 5, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit of verse 8. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, and let's reread verses 2 and 3. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Here in Acts chapter 2, there was a sound from heaven, and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. The sound it filled all the temple where they were sitting. They were in the temple at 9 a.m., the hour of prayer. On that day, cloven tongues, like as of fire, sat upon each of them. The fire here represents both protection and cleansing, in that it sat indicates completeness. The work Jesus Christ did was a complete work. Now, the work the Father was doing on the day of Pentecost was also a complete work. A seal of eternal life through the Spirit. A cleansing of mankind to the end of sanctifying, setting apart and making holy to the end of righteousness in God's sight. What an incredibly awesome day the day of Pentecost is. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, the gift from God, eternal life spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the words to speak. The greatest gift that God our Father has given is his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And every day since then, it's available to receive for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, man is now in a position available to receive the spirit from God. The Holy Spirit is eternal life. It's born of seed of whom God is the Father. This speaking in tongues here in verse 4, this is the proof in the senses realm of the internal presence of the gift of Holy Spirit. You can have the Spirit and not speak in tongues. And there are many, many people today who do have the Spirit and don't speak in tongues. They are born again, but they could manifest or show forth in the senses realm the Spirit by way of speaking in tongues, but they just haven't been taught that it's available. Or maybe they've been influenced by erroneous teaching that says it's not available today. When you look in the Bible in the first century church, all throughout the book of Acts, when a person received the Spirit from God, they spoke in tongues, just as they did on the original day of Pentecost. Let's continue reading here in Acts chapter 2. We'll read verses 5 through 22. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude they came together and were confounded, because they heard every man speak in his own language. And they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying one to another, Behold! Are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. When the apostles originally spoke in tongues, it says here that all of the devout men that had gathered at Jerusalem for the feast, they heard them speak the wonderful works of God. Let's continue in verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, What does this mean? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, verse 14, standing up with the eleven, he lifted up his voice, and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. Verse 21. And it shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call, on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. What an amazing day the day of Pentecost was. Since that day, whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus is saved, receives eternal life. Jesus Christ is a complete Savior and He is approved of God. He is approved not only because of the signs, miracles and wonders which He did while here upon earth, but God placed His stamp of approval upon the life of Jesus Christ when He raised Him from the dead. God was well pleased with the obedience and the work of His Son. He raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ is the only one who has ever been raised from the dead unto eternal life. There is no eternal life in any other name, or any other church, or any other religion. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way unto the one true God is through God's resurrected Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2 and let's read verses 32 and 33. This Jesus has God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear the apostles were witnesses. They were witnesses of the resurrection, both in seeing him in his resurrected body, and they were witnesses on the day of Pentecost when they spoke in tongues. The promise of the Father was shed forth. The gift of Holy Spirit has been given, and these devout men out of every nation now heard them speak in their own language the wonderful works of God they both saw and heard the witness of the resurrection speaking in tongues. Continuing in Acts chapter 2, let's read verses 36 through 41. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ, God is the one who made Jesus Lord and Christ. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall absolutely receive the gift of holy spirit they would receive the gift of holy spirit just as the 12 had this baptism here is baptism in the spirit it's not talking about water baptism in the spirit to be immersed in all that christ has made available to receive the righteousness of god and to stand approved before god without fear unworthiness or shame For it is now Christ in you, the hope of glory. All that Christ accomplished, those that believe on him, are now complete in Christ. Let's continue reading in verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did Peter testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his word, verse 41, and were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. On the day of Pentecost, another 3,000 were added to the church, the body of Christ. What a remarkable move of the Spirit from God. Wouldn't it be something today to have about 3,000 added to your church? God hasn't changed. I believe we'll see that day where untold thousands and millions come to the truth of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a witness. What an assurance we have in the new birth when we speak in tongues. It's the witness. It's the proof that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the proof that that the word of God is truth, and that God is faithful to perform His word. God is no respecter of persons. He loves you just as He loved the men, women, and children that received the gift of Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The work has already been done. All you need to do is believe. In Acts chapter 4, verses 10-12, through 12, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. And this record here is when the man who had been lame from his mother's womb had been healed and was able to walk. Verse 11. This is the stone, Jesus Christ, which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is no other name. There is salvation, eternal life, in no other name other than Jesus Christ. There is no eternal life in Muhammad. There is no eternal life in Krishna. There is no eternal life in all the millions of Hindu gods. There is no eternal life in the good works of the most religious of the religious. There is no other name under heaven given among men other than the name of Jesus Christ. It is the name of Jesus Christ whereby we are saved. Eternal life comes only by way of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And on this day of Pentecost, we read the tremendous record of the original outpouring of the gift of Holy Spirit to men and women who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that same gift of Holy Spirit is available to you today when you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord of your life.
1: By these worldly chains, oh Lord, my freedom is in serving you. No longer enslaved by these worldly chains, oh Lord, my freedom is in serving you.
0: Our guest today has been in Christian ministry for over 30 years. He is the author of One God, the Unfinished Reformation. Our topic of discussion today will be the Holy Spirit field. He is a teacher and lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois. I'd like to welcome Reverend Bob Cardin. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Greg. It's a blessing to be here with you today. It's great to have you here as well. Our first question today as we get into the topic of the Holy Spirit field One of the areas of Scripture which you have studied and taught for over 35 years is the Holy Spirit field. From a biblical perspective, what did God give to the apostles on the day of Pentecost, and is it still available to receive today?
2: Well, let me start with the second question, Greg. It is certainly still available for every Christian believer to receive and to operate God's gift of Holy Spirit. Pentecost is widely understood to be the start of the Christian Church, and what occurred on Pentecost is available to the Christian Church until Christ returns to gather us. Now, so that's the answer to the second question, but what did God give on the day of Pentecost that is still available today? Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the uh, chapter 2 in the book of Acts, Peter declares that they were to receive or could receive the gift of Holy Spirit so that on Pentecost, God poured out his gift of Holy Spirit. And if you back up a little further on that, earlier on the day of Pentecost, during that sermon, Peter quotes from the prophet Joel, and he connects what was happening in Acts with the prophecies in the Old Testament about the pouring forth of God's spirit upon all flesh. And this is something that had been promised throughout the Old Testament. Jesus Christ in the gospel said that when he ascended to the Father, he would send forth a comforter. He would send forth the spirit of truth. And that was not going to be available, of course, until Christ had been crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended to sit at God's right hand. Once all that had occurred, God was once again able to have a relationship with man as sons and daughters, and he poured forth his gift of Holy Spirit, which allows us to share in his nature.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really awesome that he has made that available for us in this day and time. Absolutely. Now, we know there are many different denominations, and there are just as many different opinions about the Holy Spirit field. Today, two main perspectives are the evangelical and the Pentecostal. Could you elaborate on those and what you consider to be true biblical perspective on the Holy Spirit field? certainly since the Reformation,
2: the Christian Church has continued to grow and learn and recover some of the great truths that was lost that were lost during the first few centuries of the church and of course we're all familiar with martin luther salvation by faith through grace and this is just one of the great truths that had been recovered today christianity has perhaps two broad paths within the protestant tradition and that is the evangelical and the charismatic or pentecostal movement Mm. and so if you were to ask me am i evangelical or charismatic i would answer yes because I don't make a choice on that. And I don't think that a choice needs to be made because both of them have valid points. The evangelical perspective today is most uh, evidenced by a high regard for scripture as the word of God, that Mm -hmm. the Bible is the word of God. And on the other hand, the charismatic movement emphasizes the power of the Holy Spirit, which we just talked about in our first question, that that is still available today, and that's where the charismatic movement has put its emphasis. These two are not at odds with one another, Mm -hmm. although at times it might appear that way, because if you go to perhaps the furthest evangelical position, that would be we have the written and perfect Word of God, which we would agree on, and that's all that we need, Mm -hmm. which I would not agree with. I believe that that gift of Holy Spirit was given to us so that we could walk with God on a daily basis and in in an intimate fashion. Now, on the charismatic side, oftentimes they get to the place where experience reigns, that, okay, the Spirit moved me. But you really need both the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and you start with the Word because God's Word is what outlines His will for our lives. And God would never do something or energize His Spirit in a way that goes contrary to the written Word of God. So we need both. We start with the written Word. That explains to us His gift of Holy Spirit. And then we are able to walk in its power as we go about our daily lives.
0: That's excellent. That really explains a biblical perspective of how the Spirit and the Word work together.
2: Which they certainly do.
0: Yes. Well, you know, we often hear others, and sometimes ourselves as well, speak of being born again or being born from above. Could you explain to us what it is or what happens when one is born again?
2: The term born again, and many times it is used in our culture, uh, are you a born again Christian? And that is really a repetitive statement, because if you are born again, you are a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you are born again. The way our popular culture uses the term born-again Christian is to describe a Christian who is serious about his faith. However, in the Bible, it means something quite different. Of course, I'm a big advocate of Christians being serious about their faith, but that's not what born-again means. And Jesus Christ used this in John chapter 4 when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born-again. Or born from above is another way to translate uh, that phrase into English. And to be born from above really relates back to your first question about receiving the gift of Holy Spirit. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it is available for you and I to be partakers of the divine nature, which is what it says in Second Peter. And to be born again means literally that you are God's son or daughter by spirit. Now, this is a little different than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is called the only begotten Son of God. Mm-hmm. God was both his physical father and his spiritual father, whereas for us, God is our heavenly spiritual father. So we are born again of God's spirit, and we receive that new birth gift of Holy Spirit when we trust in Jesus Christ, which we can do by confessing that he is our Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. That's the most straightforward description of it, which Mm -hmm. is in the book of Romans, chapter 10.
0: that's, That's wonderful. God made it so very simple that you just can't miss it. He had to make it simple. He was dealing with us. (laughs) Right, right.
2: But, you know, it's interesting because in Romans, it describes being saved, uh, which is simply another synonym for the new birth. It describes it as confessing Jesus as Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. Mm -hmm. And the book of Romans, when it was originally written, had a large Gentile population who would have received it. So they needed to have things described in a way that they would understand it. If you go to 1 John, it says that anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born from above. And that was written to people who were from a Judean background, and they would understand what it meant to be the Christ. Mm -hmm. A Roman would not understand what it meant to be Christ, but a Jew would understand that this would include all the prophecies of the Old Testament, including that he would be Lord, as it says in Psalm 110, that God would raise him from the dead, as it says in the Old Testament. So you see, God describes this in different ways, depending on the audience that he is addressing.
0: Hmm, That's a very, very clear explanation. Thank you. In the book of Acts, we see multiple occasions where people accepted Jesus Christ and became born again. Without fail, almost every time, the one thing the believers in the first century church did was speak in tongues. Is speaking in tongues still available today? And if so, uh, why would it be something we'd want to do?
2: Well, since the gift of Holy Spirit is still available today which is what Peter announced on the day of Pentecost, since that is still available today, then the power of that Holy Spirit is also still available today. And speaking in tongues is just one of the ways that God's gift of Holy Spirit can be energized in a Christian man or woman. So it is certainly available today. And as to why we would want to speak in tongues today, there are some simple reasons. If, if God has made something available to us, There must be a reason, and we should utilize that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 that he wished that we would all speak in tongues. So we have Paul making this clear declaration that it is something for all Christians. But beyond that, we also have within the Bible different benefits or blessings that would accrue to us when we speak in tongues. And there are several. There's three, I think, that can be highlighted. One is that speaking in tongues is prayer by the Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, since when a person speaks in tongues, they do not understand what they are saying, you might ask the question, well, what is the good of prayer by the Spirit? And the book of Romans explains this for us, because when we pray for someone, we might know that they have a need, but we don't always know what the best answer would be. We might have an answer in our mind. We might be praying for something like, I would really like this job at IBM. But God might know in his foreknowledge that if I took that job at IBM, it would take all my time away from ministry. So I might be praying for one thing, but God would like to give me another. When you speak in tongues, that is prayer directed by the Spirit. And you are praying, you are making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Another benefit of speaking in tongues is that it builds you up spiritually. This is also in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which contains a lot of information on speaking in tongues. But it is the only place in the Bible that it speaks of building you up when you speak in tongues. Now it can't be talking about your physical body because you could try speaking in tongues and not eating and you would discover you're soon going to be hungry again. (laughs) It's not going to build up your mind because you don't understand what you're saying so you have no comprehension of what you are saying when you speak in tongues. What it does build up is this spirit that God has poured out upon you. And the third really great benefit of speaking in tongues is that it allows us to participate in what Jesus Christ called worship by the Spirit. And that's from John chapter 4, again, the discussion with Nicodemus. He said that God is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, what exactly does that mean? Well, if you're going to worship by way of the Spirit, you have to have the Spirit, which we have as Christians. It's been poured out upon us. But in what fashion can we worship God by the Spirit? And I don't want to limit this because God might have a much broader view, but I can give you one example of speaking in tongues from chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. It talks about Paul saying, I will pray with the Spirit, which I just spoke of, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing praises with the Spirit, and I will sing praises with the understanding also. When you speak in tongues, you are speaking praises to God, which relates back to what Jesus said in John 4 about worshiping God by the Spirit. So those are just three of the benefits to continue to speak in tongues this
0: day. Mm, Three awesome benefits that would, oh gosh, an understanding of any one of those three would make me want to desire to speak in tongues more in my prayer life.
2: Absolutely. If, if, if worship were the only thing that speaking in tongues were good for, I'd want to do it all the time. Mm-hmm, right. But it has many other benefits, several I haven't even mentioned.
0: Well, now that brings me to another question, because I, I've heard this talked about before, too. Is it available to receive Holy Spirit, to become a child of God, and not to speak in tongues? It is, Greg, because they're two separate issues being
2: born again or receiving Christ as your savior, receiving God's gift of Holy Spirit is something that you do when you decide to make Jesus your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. So then you have received that gift. You might not ever do anything with that gift. Mm -hmm. You might have, I'm sure, received a gift at Christmas time, perhaps from your children that you didn't quite know what it was and you never have used it. So you can receive a gift and not utilize it. And the same is true with God's gift of Holy Spirit. But we want to utilize, we want to benefit from and operate everything that God has made available in Christ. I mean, these are all things that Christ got for us when he died on the cross. And if it was worth dying on the cross for, it should be worth our pursuing it in our lives. So it is available to not speak in tongues and be a Christian, certainly. But my question would be,
0: why? Bob, as we close out our conversation, uh, what's on your heart today that you'd like to share with the listeners to encourage them in the things of God and to live for God today?
2: Well, there are a couple of things, Greg. I think that since we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, I'd like to add a little bit about how simple it is to walk out in God's power and to speak in tongues. On the day of Pentecost, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out There's a verse that explains everything a man or woman needs to know in order to speak in tongues. And Acts 2, 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As I lead people into speaking in tongues, this is really the only verse that I need if the person is already a Christian. If the person is not already a Christian, I need two verses. I need Romans 10, verse 9, to explain to them about confessing Jesus as Lord and believing God raised him from the dead. Once they do that, they have the gift of Holy Spirit, and then I can bring them right to Acts 2, 4. So once you are a Christian, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. How did the apostles speak in tongues? Sometimes people think the Spirit does the speaking, but the Spirit does not do the speaking. In Acts 2.4, it clearly says that the apostles began to speak in other or different languages, and they were able to do this because the Spirit gave them the words to speak. And if any member of your audience would just get in a quiet place and look at that verse and meditate upon it and see what it says, then they could put themselves forward and to begin to speak in other words, in other tongues, in other languages, and they would discover that the Spirit still gives the utterance to speak today. So I would encourage any of your audience to give that a try, because God will work within them to will and to do of his good pleasure. But the last thing I would like to say, which is something that's always been on my heart with people, and it's two things that virtually all Christians do, and that is we pray and we read our Bibles. And I would like to encourage everyone, because I've been working on this myself, that when I pray, expect God to talk back. As I pray, expect that it's not a one-way street, my prayer time is not simply my laundry list to God of my needs, but I sit before him and I allow him to speak to me as well. And if people will do that, if they will take the time to listen, they'll find that God still speaks today during their prayer time. And another time that God speaks is while you read his word, because really in a very true sense, the written word is God speaking to you. Mm -hmm. But God can personalize That written word so that as you read it, God can draw your attention to a particular verse that he wants you to meditate on. And one of the things about meditating on scripture is you can't meditate in a hurry. Hmm. You sit and you listen. If God draws your attention to a verse of scripture, look at it, turn it over in your mind and see what God has to tell you specifically for your life that day through his written word.
0: That's awesome. Uh, That's one of the great benefits, too, of being a son of God and receiving Holy Spirit is that communication where the Father speaks with us as children. Yeah. That's, uh, That's really good. Well, Bob, you have written a book titled, One God, The Unfinished Reformation, which deals with the true identity of Jesus Christ. If someone would like to reach you to hear your teachings and or order a copy of your book, what would you say would be the best way for people to reach you?
2: Perhaps the easiest way would be through our website, which is Mm gcfnaperville.org. And that's gracechristianfellowshipnaperville.org. As to my book, I'm actually in the middle of a revision of it where I'm adding more material. But if somebody would simply contact me through the website, I can alert them to the information as to when it's published in the new edition.
0: We'll put links up on the website to the gcfnaperville.org A web address.
2: Great. That would be wonderful.
0: Thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time.
2: You're welcome,
3: Greg. God bless you.
0: God bless you.
3: I can see your mighty hand In the rising of the sun In the chorus of creation When a new day has begun Oh, the wonder and variety Of everything I see And you gave withholding nothing and you did it all for me Your love has made me free So I will seek your face I will seek your face Every night I will seek Your face I will seek Your face I will sing Your praises, my Lord You say knock and You will answer Seek and You will find But I'm not looking for favor I'm not looking for a sign I just want to know your voice, Lord, and fellowship so dear Want to crawl into your open arms, whisper in your ear My daddy, I am yours So I will seek your face I will seek your face Every night Oh dad
4: This is
0: Thank you for joining us today on The Solution Radio Show. Thank you to our guest, Bob Carden, from Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville for sharing his heart and life as well. All of The Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links on the website to our guests, musicians, and sponsors. If you enjoy The Solution Radio Show, please tell your friends about it. Send them an email link to our website or, or post on some of the social media and make it available to uh, friends at that location. Also on the website, there's a page for upcoming events. If you'd like your event listed, you can send the information to info at the solution radio A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is... Once again, the praise line number 844-705-3410 We will play those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of The Solution Radio Show. We do know that through the Internet there are many people throughout the world and throughout the United States that do listen on the Internet replay. The Solution Radio Show is listener supported both by your prayers and your financial giving thank you for your support it's greatly appreciated all financial donations are tax deductible our mailing address is the solution radio show P.O. Box 9002 Naperville, Illinois 60567 once again the address P.O. Box 9002 Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There's also a donation link available on our website at thesolutionradioshow.com. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.